With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey everybody, this is Heidi Durow. I'm your host and this is The Mixed Experience. It's the only live weekly show about being racially and culturally mixed. And it's basically a mixed chick's mixed thoughts on a mixed up world. Wow, um, today is August 4th, and I am really excited to talk to our guests today. They have a really fascinating project and a story that people aren't talking about, and especially in America. So I can't wait to get to talk to them and field any questions that you may have for them as well. But first, I wanted to just mention that uh, the podcast is over the hiatus. Uh, the summer season is almost completely scheduled, which is very exciting. So make sure you go to the website and find out when the shows are. Because of the nature of summertime, it's difficult to get people to interview at the 5 o'clock time slot on Mondays, which is our normal time to have the podcast. So there are all sorts of different times, but just really great guests. So make sure you check the schedule if you want to listen in live. But of course, you can always download it later. Uh, You can subscribe on iTunes and never miss an episode. And then one other just very quick uh, mention I wanted to make. I had a great opportunity to speak at the Blog Her conference in New York City a couple of weeks ago. Met some really great folks. Uh, Actually met some of the readers of my book, The Girl Who Fell from the Sky, which was really fun. Uh, and also just met some really neat writers and bloggers, one who I uh, interviewed yesterday, Nicole Blades. And I also got to learn about some new opportunities and and products that are out there that help bloggers and writers and digital medicine people. And then there was this shopping thing. Yeah, okay, I'm an online shopper. It's called Jet.com, and they have basically – introduce themselves as a rival to Amazon. So if you're interested in getting a, a promo code to get a free year with jet.com, send me an email, Heidi at HeidiWDrow.com. I have a limited number of them. Uh, originally, I had 25. Uh, I don't know how many I have left, but send me an email as soon as you can, and I'll give you that promo code. Okay. Um, All right. Well, so now this is the good part. This is the guest. I'm super excited to talk to these filmmakers uh, who are behind this German documentary series. And here I'm going to get this totally wrong, but it's called Schwarz, Rot, Gold. Uh, It portrays 10 famous German black people and talks about the past, present, and future of mixed and black identity and racism in Germany. And, uh, the goal of the project is basically to raise awareness, raise awareness about racism and, and also the diversity of what Germany has always been, which is kind of exciting for me because I grew up in part in Germany. It's produced by Germaine and Laurel Raffington, 
and it's motivated by Jermaine's personal experience of growing up as a black person in Germany, as well as Laurel and Jermaine's dream of raising their children in a non-racist, open-minded Germany. I wish you guys had been there when I was growing up. <laughs> uh, Jermaine was born in 1985 in Hamburg and is the eldest of four boys. His mother, who now lives in Sweden, is German, and his father, who still resides in Hamburg, is Jamaican. A basketball stipend allowed Jermaine to go to a U.S. college in Iowa. Later, he played basketball professionally for seven years in four different teams of the first and second National Basketball League in Germany. Jermaine married his wife, Laurel, in 2012. He retired from basketball in the summer of 2014 and is now a sports editor at Vice. And Laurel was born in 1988 in Siegburg, Germany, and is the youngest of three. Her mother is American and her father is German. She spent her childhood in Germany, the U.S., and Japan. After completing high school at a German-American school in Berlin, she went to the U.K. to study psychology. She has a master's in cognitive neuroscience in Berlin and has I'm sorry, totally messing this up. Her current position in psychology research at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development, she's working on her PhD. Uh, they both claim Berlin as their home now. I am super excited to welcome them both to the show today. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for having me. I told you, it's, it's kind of floppy sometimes, but hopefully we have a really wonderful and rich conversation about this amazing project that you guys are doing right now. Um, I am going to start the show off with the traditional first question, and you guys each have to give me an answer, and it doesn't matter who goes first. By the way, there is no right answer, <laughs> so no, no cheating. Uh, so to whoever wants to take it first, what are you? I would say I would consider myself as German for the most part. Um, I was I was socialized in Germany, and um, but I do feel my uh, Jamaican slash American side since all my my relatives moved to, from Jamaica to uh, New York. Um, I do feel somewhat American as well. So yeah. Great answer! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Laurel? How would you answer? Um, I, I am German-American, and I've identified as such for a long time now. Um, I think my German-American school helped a lot with that. But, um, yeah, and Berlin is my home, and that's that. <laughs> you got it right, too, 100% for both of you. <laughs> you know, I, I asked that question a little bit tongue-in-cheek at the top of the show every time because people who are racially mixed or ethnically ambiguous uh, get that question all the time. I mean, if I go outside, I definitely, someone will definitely ask me that question at some point or in some way, you know, what are you or where are you from or why are your eyes that color or something like that. So um, anyway, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the ways in which you guys came to want to talk about this story. So, Jermaine, you um, grew up in Germany. How did your parents meet, and um, what was that like to be black and German at that time in Germany? Well, my mom actually went to uh, New York to uh, work as a nanny when she was really young. She was 17, and that's where she met my dad. 
Um, and then uh, he wanted to experience how she grew up, how, how Germany was. And then they, they moved to Germany, and I was born on the way, basically. So uh, I was born in Germany, grew up here. Um, and the original plan was to move back to the States at some point. But, yeah, I have three other brothers. And, uh, yeah, we ended up staying in Germany, basically. Uh, and was that um, never an issue? I mean, it was never a question of... Um, Hey, who is who is this kid? Is he actually German? Do you have memories of those moments? Well, when I was young, it was um, I, I grew up in Hamburg, which is quite diverse. So there's like a big African and also Jamaican community there. Um, but still, I mean, I was except from two other black kids, the only black kid in my um, elementary school. So we kind of like, you know, hung out together and like, you know, you're young and you try to find role models and identify yourself and all we found in the media were like two people. And this was one, one was a talk show host and the other one was a VJ. Um, and it was really tough, I must say, because you have these two people that you look up to, but maybe you still don't know what you want to strive for, what you want to become, and you only have these two people that, like, live positive images of what you can become. So you just try to find someone else, and that's really hard. Uh, yeah, you can't directly identify with that person. And what was the role of your parents in trying to help you shape the story of who you were? What what did they tell you about race or identity or what you should claim or what you should say or be? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> I no, I don't mean I don't want to put you on the spot because people people ask me this all the time, and um, you know, my mom is Danish from Denmark. I grew up yeah. speaking Danish. My dad was African-American in the Air Force. That was part of the reason we were living in Germany during that yeah. time. And um, when we lived overseas, actually, I thought it was pretty easy to not deal with race because we were American. And I don't know if, Laurel, if that resonates with you, like that, you know, you're not quite, you're not other, you're not other because of something that people can see, but your Americanness makes you different. And then when we moved to the United States, um, race was a really big deal, but my parents somehow, they didn't know how to talk to me about it. You know, my mom was from Denmark and they didn't deal with race there yeah. at that time. So I don't know if, if your parents ever said, hey, you know, you, might, you may be going through this thing. You know, let me tell you how you might navigate it. Um, not really. I mean... I can't think of one situation where my mom told me, look, there's like uh, this part of society that doesn't see you as German. But um, I think I made that experience kind of myself because, um, yeah, people were questioning my German identity just because of the color of my skin. And um, at some point, I really asked myself, like, what am I, you know, like in, in – the German society, I'm not seen as German. And later on, when I went to the States, people, <laughs> I went to uh, play basketball, as you said, in, in the little intro. And uh, one of my teammates, um, he was from Memphis. He, uh, he, I was in contact with him over MySpace back then. And uh, yeah, we met. And then he said, Jermaine, you look black. You 
dress like you're black, but you don't act black. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what, what is acting black? So um, no, what what did you what did you make of that? Well, I mean, that came out of nowhere. So I was <laughs> I was kind of shocked that actually somebody <laughs> confronted me with with some question like that. Um, but I remember going back to my dorm room thinking thinking about like all the experiences I made in Germany where people always mistaken me as an American just because of my height also and like the way I dress maybe, you know, I do look like a basketball player and I mean I'm bilingually raised. Um so what am I? And that was the question that I asked myself. And that's also like one thing where my where our project came came out of, you know, this question of identity. So tell tell us about this amazing project. I'm so I was so excited to hear about it. Uh, the information I got came from Talon Gonzalez, who is the filmmaker that was presented. He presented the film Mestizo at the Mixed Remix Festival this year. And yeah. as soon as I saw the video, I was just blown away. So, so tell me a little bit about the documentary series. Um, we wanted to create positive role models, especially because I was confronted when I grew up with this issue of not having like a diverse set of role models. So we went through um, German society and we went on a hunt for um, people out of like different different fields. And we also wanted to include like different generations. So we have like two, two of our protagonists grew up um, during the NS regime. Um, they experienced like a whole nother way of racism, of course. Then um, we have a politician of the Christian German party. Um, we have somebody out of um, the digital music industry, um, a TV host, and yeah, in the second, oh, I <laughs> yeah, and uh, that, that's our first season. So we did want to like show like a broad variety of black German life, but also show when it started. And uh, that's very important because that is left out the um, curriculum of um, high school kids, basically. Well, it, it's actually left out of the consciousness of, of not just Germans, but Americans, too. I, the, one of the reasons I was so excited to have this conversation was that I think at least if you're um, African-American or mixed-race African-American here in America, you don't imagine that race exists in Europe, and yet there's a really long history of you know, um, there being an African diaspora, and there really has been a presence of black people and, and people who are descended from black people in Europe for a long time, and that history isn't, isn't told. Um, I was really interested to see the, the general, and his name is going out of my mind, but in the documentary, you have a photo of this uh, black German in military costume. Can you tell me more about his story? I actually am fascinated by his story. Yeah, uh, he, he's told us before how he, so he's now, he's not actively um, involved in the German military anymore. He actually now moved to New York to work for the UN Peace Corps, I believe. But um, he's told us before how he was on a train, and then I think it was two policemen, right? And they sort of pulled him 
um, from his seat and sort of like started uh, asking for his ID and harassing him where he stole the uniform from. Um, oh my you know, gosh! Yeah, and this was only a couple of years ago. So I mean, um, our protagonists have really horrible stories. Are um, but and he he does also get quite a lot of um, threats online, and it was really important when we were you know, filming his um, portrait and, you know, asking him for uh, archival material and pictures. You know, we also had to take care not to include his wife and child too much because he was just kind of concerned. Because I, I guess, you know, really this this sort of, in some ways, stark break with the stereotype of a black German being a black German and also uh, in in military uniform, um, in a high position, it just really um, makes racist, especially also the neo-Nazi German um, people, very uncomfortable and aggressive in some ways, I guess. Well, um, this was really fascinating to me that you, you're, in your series, you have interviews with people, black Germans, who were alive during the time of Hitler. Um, mm. This, I mean, I knew this, but I hadn't heard these first-person accounts from people. Um, one of the people that you interviewed was, and I'm going to say her name wrong, I'm so sorry, Marie Najar yeah. Ma- Engel. What, tell us a little bit about her. I was fascinated by her. Um, there was... One really interesting uh, part about her story, um, like when she grew up, there was um, the equivalent for girls uh, to the Hitler Youth, which is, um, we call it Bund Deutscher Mädchen, so like society of German girls. And it's set up kind of like as a Boy Scout, Girl Scout thing, but um, it's all going into the, the direction to serve for the SS basically for for the for the young boys and the girls I'm not really sure what they did but like all of her friends joined that society basically and um, she she really wanted to be part of it because all of her friends did it and um, in retrospect of course like people some people say like oh how could you and like but I mean think about it she grew up everybody did it. Um, she didn't know what's going on, so she walked to this office. She got a letter in the mail, and she walked to the office, and she's, she's talking about this in her portrait as well. Um, she's very happy that she finally gets to join the, the, um, the group, and she talks to this officer, and um, the guy completely flips out, and he's like, what are you doing here, insulting her and giving her any kind of name? Um, and she is just very, very disturbed, and she leaves the building um, saying both of my parents are black. And um, that was the first time where she actually, um, yeah, got confronted with her skin color that much that, um, yeah, it, it really hurt her. And then, yeah. She said something really um, heartbreaking. I guess I don't really want to share it because I want people to watch it, and I'll put the link up. Uh, for people to see the piece on YouTube. But she also says at one point in the piece, if I had been a little white girl, I would have been a full-fledged Nazi. Mm -hmm. And she says it with some wistfulness, you know, like what she really wanted to do was be part of Germany. And and now looking back, obviously she's 
happy that she wasn't, but in that moment she was profoundly hurt and disconnected to realize that she wasn't considered a real German. Mm. I think that's what the, um, the, all the protagonists, including my own story, um, have in common that like people identified as German, but at some point society held up the mirror against them and um, said, hey, look in the mirror, you look different. And, is, there, um, is there an idea there in Germany about being mixed or do you, I guess I'm trying to figure out, do you talk about yourself as a black German or do you, are there people who talk about being mixed race Germans or I don't know how that conversation is there. Well, I would consider myself as a black German, but that's also something we wanted to, to tackle with this project is terminology because um, after, <clears throat> after World War II and all the developments afterwards, everybody's very, very concerned not being called a Nazi and very, very careful how they address people of other ethnicity. So mm -hmm. uh, if you, uh, a lot of people have a problem of saying you're black so they use the term colored, but that's even more racist than colored, you know? <laughs> right. So, I think people are just really uncomfortable to talk about, uh, to speak about racism and just to, to speak about their perceptions and associations that they may hold, you know, in association with the appearance of people. And I think, I think I, 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 I think it's at least a fair assumption that Jermaine makes about how, you know, having growing up and being taught, you know, Nazi Germany history over and over again in school, that there's almost kind of this like overcompensation maybe where, you know, you really don't want to be racist. Um, and you really, you know, we, we have to try really hard. And there's a bit of a tendency, I think, then that, like, okay, so we're just going to be colorblind and we're not racist and, you know, we can't, we can't admit to potentially carrying racist um, um, prejudices inside us anymore because, you know, that was our, our really horrible past and we have to have moved on from that now. Um, you know, it's so interesting, Laurel, that you say that. I had a guest on the podcast a couple of months ago He's a, a white man who grew up in the deep south, very poor, and he happened to be gay as well. And he wrote a memoir about the, his reaction, like his experience of his school being desegregated. He'd always gone to a, an all-white school, and then suddenly he was going to school with black kids because of the Supreme Court decision. And he said in his interview and also in his book, that one of the things that is going to be most healing, he thinks, for people who are raised as white racists in America is to say, look, I grew up as a white racist in America, <laughs> either by, you know, <laughs> just because that's how my family was. And he's he, so interesting. He said, you know, I just know I have that racist foundation. And so I just have to put it out there and check myself all the time to make sure I'm not, I'm not doing something that's against the, my grain now, like now that I know better. It, what do you, I mean, do you think it, that's a helpful way to go forward for what's happened in Germany as well? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's just overwhelming evidence that um, that people are prejudiced, and you know, there's also um, um, sort of discrimination, prejudice, psychology research in Germany. So you know, and but on one on a sort of unconscious, implicit level, that people also hold these racial prejudices, but then also, I mean, overtly, there are also questions where you know it's clear that. There are there's a lot of xenophobia, whatever that means, to people mm-hmm. um, um, in Germany. And then you know, Germaine and I had a hard time finding funding for our project a couple of years ago. But then there were also these big scale Pegida demonstrations last December, January, which was you know a big. Um, it was basically they were demonstrating in Dresden, and I'm talking like I don't know, 20,000 people or something. 30,000 people against sort of the over um, Islamization of like yeah, and überfremdung. So like just you know that we have to be careful that Germany doesn't become over filled with strangers, so that we don't lose German culture and. Uh, jobs and all that and they were you know they were strongly aligned to neo-nazi parties as well and then that large-scale thing just sort of brought up which you know we you know if you looked into sort of some studies we sort of knew was under underwater anyway in germany but right you know still have a hard time sort of um adhering to that and and really doing sort of the demographic work to sort of track discrimination in Germany. You know, there's, we don't even know how many people there are that identify as black Germans or mixed or whatever. We don't even know what to call black Germans. So we use the term black and we capitalize it following sort of an initiative for black Germans in Germany because that's what they do. But then there's also that issue. So um, race is Rasse in German, and uh, mixed is Mischling, and those are, um, they have really strong Nazi associations in Germany. So yes, Mischling and right. and theory. so, um, yeah. I mean, langu- language is hard, you know, it's something we're struggling with in the U.S. We just started counting people who are multiracial on the um, census just a few years ago, and it's been very interesting for people to be able to identify what their complete backgrounds are. But even though you know I do a lot of work like with the Mixed Remix Festival and my writing, and I I write about these issues of mixed experience, mixed race identity, and multicultural identity, and there's you know a lot of discussion and disagreement about what to call ourselves. So if you're mixed, are you mixed race? Are you multiracial? Are you biracial? Um, some people object to the word mulatto because, like mm. Mischlinge, it has a, a very charged history in our, you know, American past. And um, you know, some people like me make up their own names. So I consider myself an Afro Viking, which I think mm. is quite a quite fine term to use. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I was going to ask you, and I hope it's not offensive to you, but you know, there's Boris Kojo, who is yeah. the most famous black German I know of, um, and he jokingly refers to himself as a blurman. Is that something that is on I the, on the that, agenda? Oh, you haven't. It. It's a, a black German. It's a blurman. 
Yeah, um, it's it's very interesting. I've never heard that, but it's uh, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to co-sign to it. Well, so what I want to know is how can people see this, and how much of it has been um, actually subtitled? Because guys, if you're listening. It's in German because they're German people, uh, but there are subtitles to some of them. And, and how can our American or English-speaking listeners actually get the most out of these films? Um, I actually uh, uploaded all the subtitled versions of season one just to our website, um, yeah, I'll have I have the link up on the website. So you, yeah, I'm not even gonna try to say it again. <laughs> I think yeah. So, it, it means black, uh, black, red, gold, which are the the uh, colors of the German flag. So we 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 chose a very very German name and association. And then stuff and under it to sort of break with that, you know, what what does it mean to be German stereotype? Yeah. I I only that. understood that this morning. Like I finally I finally got it this morning. I was like, oh, that's the flag, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, the first season is up on the website in uh, subtitled version, including uh, our trailer. Um, where um, everyone can see um, also the protagonists out of season two. We have one spot left that we want to film, um, and that will be a very famous person, um, and that's all I can say about that. <laughs> oh, it may be my favorite Blurman then. I, I, I don't know. It, that would be great. Uh, Maybe. Well, he actually worked with his sister recently. His sister organizes an African um, diaspora festival in, in Bayreuth um, in southern Germany. And uh, they did like an international conference. And um, yeah, we screened some of our portraits. Unfortunately, we couldn't go because we were so bound into our normal everyday job. Um, but yeah. Well, I, I really... Um want to make sure that people go check out these documentaries. They're, these stories are so fascinating because it makes this experience of being um, multicultural, multiracial, it just makes it so much bigger than it seems. It's not just the United States it happens in. It happens all over the world and there's a history to it. And I feel like there's something empowering about that for People. And that's exactly what your project is about, to, to make sure that people feel that connectedness. Uh, yeah, what's next our, for you guys? Yeah. I think our protagonists definitely show, I think most of them are quite explicit in you know, how they, they drew a lot of strength out of their individual background and often multiculturalism as well. And, and because they see that as a strength with them, maybe that's one of the reasons why they were so successful, despite sort of the structural and individual level boundaries that they had to fight against in Germany, but that they're so, they get that, you know, Cameroonian or Eritrean um, culture on top of their German culture, as mm -hmm. two of our protagonists explain. Yeah. What's next? <laughs> yes, what's next? Um, yeah, first of all, we have to finish the last 
four portraits. Uh, I mean, they're all shot already, um, but we still have to edit them. Um, we are actually, we kind of ran out of money. <laughs> um, I understand that. <laughs> as it is with um, projects like these, I mean, we, we had a very, very generous donation by like a film funding um, organization, the Median Board Berlin Brandenburg, and normally they fund just uh, feature films. Um, but they were very convinced of our project, and um, yeah, I think we we proved that we were worth their money. <laughs> um, Most definitely. And yeah, from now on, it's um, we we we're planning on like gathering more funds to you know make the se second season as um, as interesting as the first one, if not even more. Because uh, I mean, the, the story, the stories of the people. Um, I mean, they speak for themselves. But um, what I what I also wanted to say earlier, this this topic and the the way we we covered it was uh, very important for us that we um, don't make it dry. Because um, just imagine um, a teenager um, looking at a portrait of um, a guy who's um, ninety or something like that, and we really wanted to make it seem not like a history lesson, more like an yeah. interactive experience. And that's why we also work with like um, lots of sketches and fast edits and, you know, music that is actually fun to watch these portraits and don't get into this category. Oh, we poor black people in Germany. Um, we, um, we suffer so much, you know, because it's supposed to be an up uplifting project, but not leave out like the, the issues that are actually still on the forefront in, in German society. I really think you have thoroughly achieved that. Uh, all that I've seen has just been so wonderful, and I, I can't wait to spread the word. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Will you please keep in touch because if there's any way we can get you to the festival next year, that would be so amazing. So let's keep emailing um, back channel way. I, I would love to share these stories with the festival audience if pos possible in 2016. So let's, let's talk. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Um, I guess good night to you. It's nighttime there. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's 10 past 8, so we still have a little bit of time. <laughs> okay. Well, th thanks for joining me. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Okay, so I didn't realize that all of the series is now up on their website translated. This is how you're going to spend your afternoon, guys, if you have time. Even if you don't have time, I am just so fascinated by these stories. There's something really, oh, I don't know, uh, fulfilling, um, enriching. I'm not finding the right word right now to realize that this story that we're talking about here about the mixed experience in America is not just an American experience. Uh, it's actually a universal experience. It's a global experience, and that is super exciting. All right, guys, uh, that's it for our show today. The next show is actually next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And I have a really wonderful writer on, Kristen Green, who writes about uh, her own uh, experience of going to school and trying to deal with what 
it means when desegregation happens, but in a different age, actually. And she is the mom of multicultural kids as well. I think this is going to be a really fascinating show. I hope you won't miss it. Please uh, make sure that if you have questions, you email me at Heidi at HeidiWDuro.com. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you have a moment, head on over to iTunes. You know, give a sister a nice review. That would be cool. Anyway, thanks again, and I will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.